This particular program of primary care today is being recorded more or less in a cloud or a shadow. We're really overcome by grief, I would think, because of what's happened in California, yet another mass shooting. I'm with Dr. Art Kaplan. Dr. Kaplan is one of the premier bioethicists in the world. In the country, you've probably seen him numerous times on television. Many physicians refer to the things he writes and what he says. And we were going to talk about a wide variety of health-related issues. But in the light of what's happened and in the light of many of these tragedies that we're seeing, I thought it would be very interesting uh, to have Dr. Kaplan talk with us on primary care today about these issues and how we as clinicians can somehow make a difference in light of this. Uh, Dr. Art Kaplan, as I mentioned, is a leading bioethicist. He's joining me, Dr. Brian McDonald, on our program, Primary Care Today. Dr. Kaplan, first of all, welcome to the program. Hey, thank you for having me. We have seen a large number of these mass shootings, and all sorts of things are being blamed, all sorts of things. From your perspective, what do you think is going on as you analyze it as an ethicist who really analyzes and looks at the way we work as a culture? Well, I think we've got a lot of fear. People are afraid of many things. Some are afraid of overreaching on the part of government, and they want to stay armed, literally, uh, if they have to combat that. Some are afraid of foreign invasions, uh, literally coming here. Some folks are fearful of race violence, and they're armed for that purpose. Some are just worried about crime and uh, people breaking in and doing things. But the common threat is fear. Um, I think uh, we have a lot of folks with a lot of very heavy weapons, you know, in these mass shootings that we've been watching. And by the way, there's been more than one a day this year. So that's incredible. We've got a lot of uh, automatic weapons, high firepower uh, guns. And I think that makes it a real public health problem. You know, the mass shootings are paralleled by suicides, murders, uh, accidents, and they take their deadly toll, too. Um, A lot of this is the uh, relative lack of training in gun safety for some of those accidents. And we've got too much firepower out there to just put in the hands of anyone without really a serious background check, without training them, uh, demanding that they get a license like you would a car. So it does seem to me First, let's recognize we have a public health problem, not just measured in dead bodies. It's measured in disabled people, injured people, PTSD, scarred people. Uh, Imagine what our children must be thinking when they see this every day on the news, one after another. It's going to take a terrible toll. So there are those who say they don't see guns as a medical problem, as a public health problem. I just don't agree. I think it is for no other reason than the damage done the society. So the first step is recognizing that. It, medicine has to play a role. Medicine has to step in and say, look, here's the damage done by these guns. Here's the injuries. Here's the cost. And uh, we've got to be, have tighter uh, access to particularly this, uh, what I'll call heavy firepower. Uh, it's one thing to say, I've got a handgun or I hunt with a rifle or even a shotgun. But when you're out there with your automatic weapons and your AK-47s and all the rest of it, I think you're in a different realm, and I don't see people having a fundamental right to have weapons that uh, basically are used in armed conflict. One of the things you do, and I think I think you're great at it, obviously, because you think these things out before you speak, but as an ethicist, you, you I, I see you don't really 
you don't polarize people. You're, well, you're, you're not coming out here saying get rid of all guns or no, everybody no, should have no. as many guns as they want. You're trying to take a, a logical approach to an issue that you would think we could come to a logical conclusion. Do you think both sides on this battle, I mean, let's assume you have the two, two groups way at the spectrum on either mm-hmm. end, but with many, most people, most people think moderately. Um, the, do you think there can be some sort of agreement um, in light of all of this? Do you think there's a way to approach this that we as either as physicians or leaders in society should do things to try and maybe get a handle? Yeah, I do. I do. I think there are some common areas to start with. So let's assume, for the sake of argument, no one's coming to say you can't own a gun or a weapon. I don't believe that. I think you probably have that right. And in any event, politically, that's not going to change. The question is, in a society with a lot of weapons, what should medicine be insisting? So it does seem to me better background checks, better mental health checks. Uh, No other country in the world, and there are plenty of them that have weapons all over the place, Switzerland, Canada, Israel, to cite a few. They don't just say walk in a store and buy a gun with a cursory check. They make you both train to know what to do with it, and they check you out. And I think that is good public health. It makes common sense. It does seem to me the notion that doctors should talk about guns, particularly pediatricians and uh, general practitioners, I think that's pretty clear. As long as this isn't a fight about gun control, we ought to promote gun safety. We ought to tell kids what to do if they find a gun. We ought to tell kids what to do if they hear gunshots. We ought to tell people what to do if they're in a a dire situation. And sometimes people will say to me, well, do doctors really know about that? Some don't. Some do. But let's educate uh, ourselves and then be in a position to send messages along with the NRA about gun safety or whoever else wants to send those messages. Last point I'll make is we got to do better by mental health. Not everybody who does these mass shootings is mentally ill. I don't actually believe that. Many are, but not all. But certainly when you get so many people using guns for suicide or domestic violence, there's mental health problems there. We still don't have a good mental health system. Uh, we don't have the ability to hold people long enough to give them effective treatment. We've got to revisit that issue and make sure that uh, people who are mentally ill or depressed, um, that they're not getting uh, their hands on weapons before they can get in to see a therapist. You're listening to Primary Care Today on ReachMD. My guest is Dr. Art Kaplan, bioethicist. We're talking, obviously, about our violence society, and in this particular case, about guns and how to handle the situation. You know, you talk about the stress. I mean, it, it affects everyone. I A few weeks ago, my youngest daughter is away at college and at her university, very wonderful university, and it was a rumor, but it was late at night. She's in one part of the of the campus studying, and all of a sudden there's all these texts, and, and the students are getting texts that there's a gunman on campus, and that, that there's many of them. And then they're, they're getting it further and further messages, and the security was on board. They're, they're there. But she told me she didn't really know where to go. She said, do I go outside? Do I right. stay where I am? They, they were saying it. And, and it was literally frightening for all of them. They were, you know, they were traumatized. There wasn't even an event, but it was the fear of the event, which tells you how it's creeping into the world of uh, college students and, in fact, many people. So I think there that deserves a response. We've got to get uh, counseling, therapy, support. It's not 
all the mental health problems, some of those responses are absolutely reasonable, but we've got to teach people how to cope with stress. That's what I'm getting at. Mm-hmm. And I think and, that that's one thing, you do, how you, you probably across the board, right? Right. I mean, if they're turning to alcohol, turning to tobacco, turning to prescription drug abuse, uh, turning to recreational drug abuse, those aren't good strategies. And, you know, we have all those things going on on campus and many other settings. So we got to at least intervene there and say, here's alternatives. Here's what you can do, whether it's mindfulness or yoga or whatever. I, you know, I don't even claim to be an expert on what it is, but whatever it is, we ought to be uh, trying to learn about it and then offering that to support uh, uh, patients. Also, you know, as part of this uh, kind of endemic fear, violence can break out anywhere at any time. I think there's a need to set uh, for people strategies about what they do. You know, you said it too, Brian, your daughter doesn't know where to, to stay in place or go out or what to do. Those are strategies that anybody, whether you're pro-gun or anti-gun, you could agree that people need to have some discussion about what's the best or smartest thing to do. And some folks are going to say, well, let the police do that. That's not a doctor's job. I think it's everybody's job. If we have this much stress, this much uh, damage done by uh, guns in a violent society, then doctors should get in there, teachers should get in there, the police should get in there, but we all got to sort of address it and not pretend like, oh, yeah, well, someone's going to take care of it, but it's not doctors. One of the best things we used to have on television years ago, and I'm, you probably participate in some of them because I know you were on Nightline a lot, but with Nightline, which was a wonderful program mm-hmm. um, in its day, and it, and it probably carries on in, in, in many forms in different forms today, but was when they would have the town hall, like a town yeah. conversation. Yeah. Uh, I don't see any of that happening. It would be a great conversation from this perspective, not necessarily a perspective of, get all the guns off, or let's make sure everybody can arm themselves to the teeth. But in a a sense, how do we deal with this? Because the other issue, which, uh, again, as physicians, we have to talk with our patients about, because television and and the media and social media is very real, it makes everything very real, is what's happening with ISIS, Al-Qaeda, and and a lot of what's happening around the world, even to the point where our political candidates are commenting about these things. People see that as a very real issue that could come into their neighborhood at any time. Right. Although I have to say, I think the fear of immigrants and violence is overblown. We're not at the same risk, despite 9-11 and despite, in fact, earlier attacks at the World Trade Center, uh, just because we have an ocean and we're separated in many ways. I worry about just mass gun shooting by mentally ill people, political ideologues of uh, right-wing stripes, uh, people who are engage by political issues that drive them uh, crazy, like the Planned Parenthood assault, these sorts of things. So, yeah, uh, terrorism is a problem and certainly something that uh, we have to deal with. But we got enough guns going off aimed at innocent people without that, that we still have a problem. And I don't want to see that put away. And remember, the secret tragedy is the suicides and the accidents, Mm -hmm. of which there are way too many and that's been going on for a long time, and we don't really address that. I think I saw somewhere that leading cause of death in males under 25, uh, maybe older than 15, guns was on that list of, you know, so accidents, suicides, that mm-hmm. sort of stuff. What do you see as 
the role of the immediacy of of the media. I mean, you know, many of the years I worked in television, we would do a story. It would mm. come on at ten o'clock at night. It would, but now it's like instant, and there's the instant desire, of course, to get ratings. So you have a lot of these all news networks just pummeling you with information, right, wrong, indifferent, but it's coming into your home, whether it's a car chase followed by yeah. mass killing followed by, I mean, it goes on and on. What do you think about that role as far as our society? And do you see, have any suggestions for we as physicians to try to guide patients to, to monitor their own television watching? Well, I think you've got to really, that's a great point, And I think it's one you have to discuss when you have kids in the house. Should they be watching that up to what age? Um, are they helped? by seeing the world as it is, or are they hurt by being made afraid and fearful? And I will, again, say I don't know the answers to what age at which you'd start to say, you watch cable TV as much as you want, versus I think I'm going to be carefully watching what my youngest kids see, but I'd like to hear from the experts, and then I'd like, again, uh, people to be trained in so that they know how to manage this media onslaught. It's also there on social media, right? So... Lots of uh, coverage moving instantaneously there, people tweeting, that sort of stuff, uh, about what they think is going on or what they believe is going on, some of which is true, some of which isn't. We need to start to educate our younger people in how to manage this tidal wave, this tsunami of gory information. And I think Hollywood has a role here, too. You know, we're probably one of the few countries where we don't let you see movies that have sex, but we'll let you see a lot of violence. That's right. There's not much limiting there. You know what's interesting? Um, you were talking about social media. One of the things I have done tonight, rather than turn on television or whatever, is I've just gone to Twitter. I have trusted people, obviously reporters, people you follow, just mm-hmm. to get the updates because I know it's usually quicker on Twitter than it's going to be in the media. And, and I think we all have different ways now we access information and news. Mm-hmm. Well, certainly all the doctors listening know that uh, a key source of information for every patient is the social media. I saw a funny ad go by the other day. It said, uh, don't mistake my medical degree for your Google search. Um, So people come in and they see all kinds of stuff on the internet that's going to cure them or help them or restore them to vitality or let them live forever and they want it and they demand it. I think it's part of, again, physician responsibility to keep an eye on what's floating around out there in social media just so that you can anticipate questions are going to come You can give realistic responses when somebody comes in and says, well, I saw a testimonial that said if you breathed a lot of fresh air and took a lot of vitamin C, you don't need to get any vaccinations. You know, there's all kinds of stuff like that floating around, but you need to be alert to it. So I wouldn't say you have to spend hours every day on social media, but I would say it's worth taking a peek not only at trusted sources, but at some of the crazier stuff that's out there because your patients may well be looking at it. Dr. R. Kaplan, I got to tell you, one thing I know when I have you on the program, it is the fastest moving program we have. And we're already out of time. I want to thank you for taking time and joining me and sharing your insight on primary care today. Well, thank you. Sorry that these events got us down that road, but it's very important that we take a look down there and see how we might help. This is Dr. Brian McDonough. If you missed any of this discussion, please visit ReachMD.com slash Primary Care. Today, you can download the podcast. You can learn more on the series. Thank you for listening. And again, Art, thank you. Thank you.